All right, the church looks beautiful. They, we stayed around Sunday night after church. We decorated and got all of the decorations put up and certainly appreciate all those that helped with that. Uh, I was going to say Sunday, last Sunday night, and I forgot that many hands make light work. And I used to tell my kids that all the time. That's why we had so many kids. No, I'm kidding. That's not really the truth. But, uh, uh, but, uh, but it is a true saying that many hands do make light work. And, uh, and I appreciate all the people that were involved in helping with that. And, and uh, that was a blessing. Well, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Genesis chapter number 39. Genesis 39. And uh, we're going to continue looking at the life of Joseph. I... Uh, uh, I was as I was looking over the life of Joseph, and I, I've been reading some uh, material on him. I, I I enjoy studying. I'll be honest with you. Uh, I, if if you would have said, "Oh, we're going to go over the life of Joseph," I would have been like, "Man, I've already been there, and I've already done that." To be honest with you, uh, but when I when I read and when I study, there's always more that I, I see. There's always more that somebody else points out that maybe I missed that I didn't see the first time around. And, and every time it, it's almost like, boy, there's just so much more there uh, than there was before. And so even though you may know the life of Joseph, you may have studied the life of Joseph, you may have sat in uh, Sunday school lessons about the life of Joseph, there's always something little there uh, that stands out that maybe you didn't see uh, the time before. And uh, this week we're going to look at Genesis chapter number 39. And last week we saw the great temptation uh, and, and really Joseph as a slave uh, and the temptation that he faced. And I kind of uh, looked at it a little bit, but uh, this week we're really going to look at that temptation, not so much the temptation, but rather the scandal that took place in all of it. So the first week we saw Joseph the son, the second week we saw Joseph the slave, and this week we'll look at Joseph and the scandal uh, that took place at the end of Genesis chapter 39. And, uh, and so it's an interesting thing to look at, and it's such a relevant picture uh, for today. Much of what goes on in the media today, much of what goes on even in politics today, uh, really this, this whole chapter uh, encompasses all of that. And it really amazes me because we're talking 6,000 years ago, and things have not changed much. Uh, people are still people, the world around, and, uh, and it just amazes me how uh, relevant the Word of God is and how relevant the study of people is uh, today just as much as it was back then. And so uh, as we look at this, uh, John Butler wrote this, and I want to read it because it was really interesting the way he worded this. He had, he had a good way of wording it. He said, the great injustice which Joseph experienced as a result of his purity will not appeal to the carnal. In fact, the carnal reader may become very disillusioned with some of these rewards of righteousness. Carnality is chiefly concerned with the present and thinks little of the future. Carnality sacrifices the valuable and lasting consolations of the future for the trivial and short-lived comforts of the present. Therefore, the suffering experienced by Joseph because of his gallant, gallant godliness will not be very cordial to the concerns of the carnal crowd. 
And boy, there's a, what a great way of wording that as he stated that. And so there's a lot of truth to that. Much of the world, uh, you know, righteousness doesn't appeal to them because they want the here and now. They're not interested in the future. And so it's very interesting. But as we look here in Genesis chapter 39, and of course we know that Joseph worked as a slave there in the house of Potiphar. Go with me to verse number 13. And the Bible says in Genesis 39, 13, And it came to pass when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and was fled forth, that she called unto the men of the house and spake unto them, saying, See, he hath brought in an Hebrew unto us to mock us. He came in unto me to lie with me, and I cried with a loud voice. And it came to pass when she heard that, or when he heard that I lifted up my voice and cried that he left his garment with me and fled and got him out. And if you remember, of course, the story from last week, uh, that is not anything that took place. That is a completely fabricated story that she told. But before we get into the lesson, let's go to the Lord in prayer and uh, then we'll get into our lesson this morning. Father, we thank you just for your goodness to us. Thank you, Father, for the privilege that we have to be in your house and gathered around your word. God, I pray that you'd use me as we look at this uh, scandal, as we look at this uh, portion of your word, God, and, and understand and we know, God, that Joseph lived right, Joseph did right, Joseph fled to get out of the presence of that temptation and out of the area of that, uh, that wickedness that was going on and God how the tables have been turned and how the scandal has been started with this whole situation. God I pray that you would help us as we look and study in your word. I pray that you'd give us um, something Father that we could take home and something that we could apply to our own lives. And Father, we'll thank you for that. And God, we'll be careful to give you the honor and glory for all that's said and done. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. As we look at this, uh, this scandal that took place, as we read those few verses, uh, the very first thing that we can notice about this passage is just the practice of what was going on. Uh, if you live in righteousness, you will face opposition. Uh, at some point in your life, maybe in the workplace, maybe somewhere else, uh, but, but we should not be surprised. Joseph was living a righteous life. He was not trying to uh, get involved in wickedness. He was not trying to do anything. He was trying to keep himself straight and keep himself out of trouble and keep himself living right for the Lord Jesus Christ. And we find that uh, in that he was attacked, and really, uh, in that, he was the target of wickedness. And, and we should not be uh, surprised by that. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 3, 12, it says, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. And so understand that uh, when we live right and we do right, we, we become, we have a big target painted on us that the wicked says, I want that guy to fall. That guy makes me mad because that guy does right and he makes me feel bad that I don't do right. 
Uh, even if you don't say anything, just by virtue of the fact uh, that you, you do what is right and you live right means that other people are going to be envious and they're, they're going to be, uh, they're going to target you uh, because they do not like righteousness. And that's a Bible fact. Jesus said in John 3.19, and this is the condemnation that light is come into the world and men love darkness rather than light. Why? Because their deeds were evil. And so we should not be surprised at the fact that, hey, wickedness does not get along with righteousness. And when we live right, you can expect that there is going to be somebody uh, that will, will target you because of the right that you have done. Uh, examples in the Bible, you could name a gazillion examples that would go with this. How about Naboth? Uh, remember Naboth's vineyard? He was just living his own right life, just doing what was right, and he wasn't trying to get into any trouble, and he became uh, the target of, of Ahab and Jezebel. Jezebel uh, mostly because, hey, Ahab wanted that piece of land, and he wasn't in his rights to sell it, and so Jezebel basically had him killed. How about Saul and his hatred for David? Uh, David was not looking for trouble. David was just trying to do right. Matter of fact, David stood up for the Lord and for the nation of Israel uh, when he slew Goliath. He was not trying to cause reproach on Saul. He was not trying to cause reproach on the armies of Israel. He was simply standing for what is right. And when he stood up for what was right, he soon became the target of Saul. Because Saul was like, hey, this guy made me look bad. And there was a jealousy issue. And so, uh, so he was targeted. How about John the Baptist? John the Baptist stood for what was right. John the Baptist was uh, the forerunner of Jesus Christ. And we find that he did not, uh, he condemned rather uh, the king for, for having taken his brother's sister's wife for a wife. And, uh, and, and the Bible says, hey, that he was against that. And so uh, he had him put in jail and eventually, uh, listen, he was beheaded for his faith, for standing for what was right. How about Stephen? What did Stephen do? Stephen in the book of Acts, chapter number 7, he went out, he was simply preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And listen, they, uh, they drug him out of the city and they stoned him because they didn't, they didn't like what he was saying. We could go on and on. If you read Fox's Book of Martyrs or if you read even through the Bible, there's example after example after example of men and women who have died for their faith, men and women that have stood up for their faith, men and women that have been persecuted for their faith simply for taking a stand for what is right. Many of them weren't looking for trouble. Many of them weren't trying to, uh, they weren't mouthy, they weren't rude, they, weren't, uh, they were just doing what is right, and because of that, they were persecuted. So we find that's a lesson in Joseph's life, that uh, there, there's a commonness that takes place in the, those that are uh, wicked going after the righteous and attacking them. That is a, a common thread throughout the Bible, and we see that over and over again. Matter of fact, in Proverbs 29, 27, we've been going through the book of Proverbs on Wednesday night, and uh, we covered this verse. The second part of that verse says, He that is upright is in the way, he that is upright in the way is abomination to the wicked. In other words, the wicked don't like him. Why? Because 
He's doing what is right and they are not doing what is right and it makes them feel bad. So we see that on a regular basis and we can see the commonness of that. And so don't be surprised uh, if you become the target uh, of, of wicked people simply because you're doing right, uh, simply because you're living right. And so we see the practice of that. Not only that, but I want you to notice the, uh, the cruelness of it. Look with me there at verse number 13 where we took our text. The Bible says, And it came to pass when she saw that she had left his garment in her hand and was fled, that she called unto the men of the house and spake unto them, saying, See, he hath brought in an Hebrew unto us to mock us. And he came in unto me to, 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 me, to lie with me. And I cried with a loud voice. Now all of this is law, is, is complete lies. She, she completely twisted the story. The truth of the matter is, uh, she was trying to go after Joseph, and he fled and left his coat. And I, I illustrated last week, hey, it's kind of like our suit coat. Uh, my suit coat, you know, if I were to uh, leave and, and somebody grabbed my coat, man, I'd, I'd just let my arms, you know, let it slip off and I'd go. You know, I mean, if it was that dire of a situation, and that's kind of what the situation was with Joseph. And, and so she was completely telling a lie. And uh, it's interesting because, uh, listen, those who attack righteousness, they're not interested in what is right. They're not even interested in, in, in any of that. They're not interested in truth. And I want you to notice that uh, because of this slander and because of this attack, that Joseph lost his reputation. Listen, many good people have lost their reputation because somebody else has leveled slanderous remarks about that person. And, uh, and they've, they've spread that out. And that's the first thing she did. She, she gathered a group of people and, uh, and she made accusations that were completely wrong and completely lies. And, uh, and she was destroying his reputation, or so she thought. And can I say this? People are prone to believe lies. They just are. I mean, if it sounds, I mean, uh, you, know, you know the idea of gossip. The juicier it is, the better, the better people like it. I mean, that's just truth. People like to hear bad about other people. And, uh, and we could go into why that is, but that's just a mere fact uh, that, that that was some of the deal with this, is that people were prone to believe her. Uh, and so Joseph lost his reputation because of this. Joseph lost his job over this. Uh, I mean, he had been elevated. You remember Joseph came in as a nobody and worked his way up because God was with him. Potiphar saw that God was with him. Uh, God blessed everything that he did. And eventually he was, he was chief of the house. I mean, nothing. Uh, Potiphar, did, Potiphar came home, gave Joseph the paycheck, said, here, you make sure that all the kitchen groceries are ordered. You make sure all the house supplies are taken care of. You make sure that everyone else is paid and all that thing, all that stuff is taken care of. And the Bible says, that uh, Potiphar didn't even know what, what all was taking place. That's how much he trusted Joseph. But all of that was lost in a moment when accusations, untrue accusations, were, were leveled against Joseph. And he ended up losing his job. And, and listen to me, if it comes down to purity or work, choose purity every time. Stick with what's right. 
Because listen, God can bless you and God can take care of other things. Uh, but, but if you go off in, in corruption, uh, then listen, there, there's a whole other set of problems that go with that. And thank God that uh, Joseph didn't go that direction. Joseph did do what was right. And we don't have a good example in Joseph's life of what would have happened if he would have uh, taken the route of corruption. But I can promise you this, it would not have been good. And so uh, Joseph lost his job. And many, many people will buckle and bend in these areas, but Joseph was sticking to what was right. Not only that, but he lost his comforts. Uh, Joseph had been obviously elevated, and uh, he was in a comfortable position. I mean, he, had, uh, he didn't have to worry about uh, his boss hounding him every day. He, he went in, and he was the boss. And, uh, and so he had a very comfortable position, but nonetheless, hey, he lost that. And now he's sitting in jail because of an accusation that was leveled against him. And so uh, he lost his comforts. Uh, and listen, a lot of people uh, will lose comforts. As a Christian, sometimes life is not about comfortableness. Save your spot here in Genesis 39. And go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter number 11. 2 Corinthians 11. We'll go back there in just a second. Second Corinthians chapter 11. And we'll go back to Genesis 39 after this. And I just want to point this out that, that a lot of Christians lose their comfort. And it's not always comfortable to be a Christian. Uh, the life of second or the life of Paul, rather, in second Corinthians chapter number 11, verses 23. Uh, here's some of the things that Paul suffered as a Christian. He says here in, in 2 Corinthians chapter number 11 and verse 23, he says, Are they ministers of Christ? He says, I speak as a fool. I am more in labors, more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently, in deaths oft. Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. Uh, thrice was I beaten with rods, once I was I stoned, thrice I suffered shipwreck, a night and a day have I been in the deep, in journeyings often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils by my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, uh, in hunger and thirst, in fasting often, in cold and nakedness. Beside those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. And I'm just saying this, that listen, sometimes it's not comfortable to be a Christian. And right now, praise the Lord, hey, it's convenient, it's comfortable. We come to church, there is no persecution. We don't have to worry about uh, a lot of things. But I'm telling you this, in a lot of countries, that's not true. And those, those Christians are suffering to be a Christian. Uh, I, I, to, in missionaries, in this day and age, um, some of them have to worry about uh, meeting in a place. I remember uh, this was not too long ago, and it took place uh, in China or Taiwan, one of the Asian countries over there, and, uh, and they were not allowed to, to meet. Matter of fact, they were meeting in a bedroom, uh, in, in an apartment building rather, and having services, and they would baptize in the bathtub because they didn't have anywhere else to baptize. And, uh, and, and after a while, the police went in and raided the place. They had already moved. They found another apartment to meet in. 
And, uh, and then they were having to move different places. And I'm just saying, hey, as Christians in America, we have a lot of convenience. We have a lot of comfort. Uh, but that's not always true in Christianity. Paul did not have comfort uh, many times in, in his ministry. And Joseph uh, suffered uh, for the cause of Christ and for doing what is right. And I'm just saying, hey, if, if, if trials and, and troubles come our way, Hey, that we ought to be committed to Jesus Christ. We ought to say, hey, I'm going to serve the Lord, come what may. I'm going to be faithful like Joseph was in his life. And so we see that in Joseph 39, or back in Genesis 39, not Joseph 39. And there is no Joseph 39. Um, that, uh, that Joseph did suffer. And it was a cruel practice to slander Joseph. And it was a cruel uh, thing to do. Uh, but listen, uh, sometimes that happens in Christianity. And by the way, God has a way of repaying and rewarding those who live righteously. We don't look for uh, the here and now. We don't live for the here and now. Uh, but we look to a better place in heaven. Uh, we look to rewards that we'll receive up there. And so we can see that uh, Joseph certainly was persecuted, we can see the practice of the scandal. But I want you to notice as well the perpetrator of the scandal. Look with me in verse number 13. These are some things that were brought out that I had not noticed before. It says there, and it came to pass when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and was fled forth, look at verse number 14, that she called unto the men of her house and spake unto them, saying, See, he hath brought in an Hebrew unto us to mock us, and he came in unto me to lie with me, and I cried with a loud voice. Now, Potiphar's wife was a wicked woman. And we'll see that. We see that obviously because of the slander, obviously because of the temptation that she threw uh, in front of Joseph on a regular basis, but then uh, the slander that she, she spoke as well. We should not be shocked and we should not be surprised uh, by the lies that came out of her mouth because the Bible says this, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. And so she had a wicked heart to begin with. We see that even in the temptation, but we see that as well in the scandal. Uh, and, and look at what it says there in, in those verses, verse 14. It's interesting because you can see the contempt in her tongue. And look at there in verse 14. She says, in, kind of in the middle of the verse, and she spake unto them, saying, See, he hath brought in an Hebrew. And, and look at, she didn't even mention whose name it was. Uh, she was obviously upset with her husband, Potiphar. They obviously did not have a good relationship. You can see that going in, uh, A, because of the temptation that she was throwing in front of Joseph, but B, just the way she spoke, she didn't even use his name. Uh, she said, and there was just contempt, there was hatred there uh, towards her husband as she was speaking, and she was saying, look at, look at how he brought this Hebrew into us. And you could almost hear the way she would say that. And there was certainly contempt uh, that, that she was there. Not only that, but I want you to notice in verse 14 that she was undermining Potiphar's authority. She called all the servants in together. You know what she was doing? She was uh, riling them up against Potiphar. Look how bad Potiphar is. Look at how terrible he is. Look at how he's done to us and, and left us this Hebrew fella uh, that would come work with us. And there was an undermining that was going on. Look at verse number 17. And she's now uh, 
Potiphar's wife is now speaking directly to Potiphar in verse 17. And she spake unto him according to these words, saying, The Hebrew servant which thou hast brought in, brought unto us, he came in unto me to mock me. We see that um, she basically told Potiphar, Hey, this is your fault. You're the one that brought this Hebrew servant into me. And she's, she's throwing all kinds of accusations, not just towards Joseph, but even against her own husband, Potiphar, and not mentioning him and, and then undermining his authority and then even accusing him directly, saying, hey, this is your fault because you did this and you brought in this Hebrew. We can see all of that. Uh, and listen, what, what lessons can we learn? Boy, take a swift lesson not to speak ill of your spouse. Well, you shouldn't even be in that position in the first place. But even if you are, uh, or, or whatever takes place, listen, uh, may we be careful of what we say with our tongue. May we be careful of criticizing other people. May we be careful of criticizing, especially our spouse. Uh, listen, between a husband and wife, there ought to be unity there. The Bible says they are joined and they are become one flesh. You ought to be careful talking about your spouse. It bothers me when I hear uh, a spouse uh, talking about their spouse. And it can be a woman talking about a man. It can be a man talking about a woman. Uh, so it goes either way, but it bothers me. It doesn't set well uh, when, when a spouse criticizes and talks bad of their spouse. It's not right. And there's a lesson that we can certainly learn there um, and there's a lesson of, of discord. Save your spot with me in Genesis chapter 39. Go with me to Proverbs chapter number 6. Proverbs chapter number 6. There's a, a lot to be learned in the book of Proverbs about the tongue. But this chapter right here, these verses rather, are probably some of the strongest that talk about slander and discord and sowing discord and causing problems between people. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 6 and verse number 12, Proverbs 6, 12, A naughty person, a wicked man, walketh with a froward mouth. He winketh with his eyes, he speaketh with his feet, he teacheth with his fingers. Frowardness is in his heart. He deviseth mischief continually. He soweth discord. When she gathered those servants together and started complaining about Potiphar, she was sowing discord in the heart of every one of those servants. And discord is simply discontentment. And it's a problem. It's a disagreement among persons. It's contention. And, and, and that's what she was sowing to those servants. And the Bible would tell us that, hey, a naughty person and somebody that's wicked would do those things. And then it ends with, he soweth discord. Jump down to verse number 16 with me. And these are these are verses that are really stand out in my mind. Uh, verse number 16, Proverbs 6, 16. These six things doth the Lord hate. Well, if there's six things that the Lord hates, you ought to mark it down. You ought to pay attention to it. You ought to, you ought to make sure that these are things that, that we don't do and we don't practice. These six things doth the Lord hate. Yea, seven are an abomination unto Him. Uh, and I don't know if that means that all seven or the seventh is the worst. I don't know exactly how you could interpret that. But I do know this, that these are serious things that God hates. And God hates sin. Go with me to verse number 17. A proud look. 
a lying tongue, there's an easy list, and a hands that shed innocent blood, in heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift in running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among brethren. Those are those seven things that the Lord hates, uh, and seven are an abomination unto Him. And so what I'm saying is, listen, one of those things was a false witness. Well, that's what Potiphar's wife was doing. She was falsely testifying against Joseph and against her husband, really, uh, and accusing him of causing all these problems, when in reality, she was the problem. She was the one that initiated this whole scenario. She was the one that threw out the temptation in front of Joseph. Joseph was a just man fleeing temptation, and she was uh, causing all these problems. It goes on and it says in the last one, uh, and he that soweth discord among brethren. And certainly she was sowing discord uh, amongst the workers that were there and the servants that worked and causing all kinds of problems within the house. And we see uh, that she was uh, quite a contemptful person. She had a lot of hatred. Not only that, but I want you to notice uh, the, the, I can't even pronounce this word, the calumny in her tongue. I probably should have wrote the definition down for there. I know I looked it up, and I don't remember now what it is. Uh, but, uh, but basically, it's the evil that was in her, her tongue. And uh, John Butler says this. He says, what Potiphar's wife said to Joseph was a bold-faced lie. She portrayed Joseph as a base, lustful pig, stooping to the worst of deeds. She accused Joseph of being the attacker and not the attacked. It was the blackest of lies and brutal slander of the finest of saints. Boy, that's true. Joseph was trying to do what was right, and she certainly uh, had no truth in anything that she said. Uh, she was upset and, and, and frustrated because Joseph uh, would not sin with her and would not do what was wrong. And so uh, certainly there was that, and she was looking for revenge. Listen, uh, godless people are always quick and ready to level accusations against godly people. And wicked people are quick to slander good people. Their point is to incriminate character and exonerate corruption. In other words, she didn't care if a court was tried and, and Joseph was proven innocent. That really didn't matter to her. The only thing that mattered was the here and now. Hey, let's make Joseph look as bad as he can, no matter what the cost, no matter what we say. doesn't matter if it's truthful or not. Uh, we just need to, we need to completely destroy Joseph's testimony. So that's what she did. By the way, that is much of what goes on in political scenarios today. I'm not saying all of it. I, I, there is some legitimacy out there, but I am telling you how many times are people, people's character attacked and criticized when they've really done nothing wrong. And then if you pay attention to that, it goes down a couple months and then all of a sudden it just disappears. They drop all charges because they know there's nothing to them. They're empty charges. Their whole idea is to, to make this person look horrible in media. That's the same tactic that Joseph's wife, that tactic has been around for 6,000 years. It is nothing new, and the devil will continue to use it against people. And I'm just saying that, hey, uh, that, that it was used here. I mentioned this as well, the coat. This is twice that Joseph's coat has been used in deception. 
his first coat, the coat of many colors, what did his brothers do with it? Uh, they took and they, they ripped it to shreds and then they dipped it in blood and then they sent it back to their father. And it was used in deception to, to, for Joseph's father to think, well, he's dead. And then this coat, Joseph's coat, I'm assuming that it was another coat of authority as, as Joseph got to the top of being at Potiphar's house and, and, uh, and I'm sure he was given a coat and, and then we find that it was left as he fled temptation and she used this coat to slander him. And it was also used as deception. Just an interesting point uh, to point out. And so we can see the, uh, the practice, we can see the perpetrator. And I want you to notice as well the perception of Potiphar. We don't have time to spend here, but look with me at verse number 19. The Bible says this. And it came to pass when his master heard the words of his wife, which she spake unto him, saying, After this manner did thy servant to me, that his wrath was kindled. And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound. And he was there in the prison. This accusation that was, that was leveled against Joseph if it were true, certainly would have been punishable by death. There's no doubt about it. The Egyptians practiced, that's what they would have done. They would have put Joseph to death. Matter of fact, they may not have even waited, uh, and it would not have been hard, given Potiphar's position as captain of the guard. He was very, uh, he was very plugged in to the king's uh, army, and to the king's staffing, uh, and so much so that it would have been very easy for, for Potiphar to put Joseph to death. I think he did not do that because I think he thought Joseph doesn't seem like that guy. Joseph had worked his way up. Joseph was faithful in everything that he did. The Lord blessed Joseph. Potiphar took note of that. And I think there was a reason he just threw him in prison and just left it at that. Matter of fact, a careful reading of this. Uh, go with me to Genesis chapter four or 40 and verse number 4. Just down the page there a little bit. The Bible says this, And the captain of the guard. Who's the captain of the guard? Go back to Genesis 39 and verse number 1. And Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard. Potiphar was captain of the guard. Go back to 40 and verse 4. And the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them and he served them and continued a season in ward. We find in Genesis chapter 40 that there were two other prisoners thrown in prison and the captain of the guard, that would be Potiphar, elevated Joseph and said, hey, you're in charge of these two guys. I think, I think Potiphar thought, Joseph does not, these things don't line up. And Joseph, well, we'll throw him in prison, we won't kill him. But Potiphar was a perceptive person, and being captain of the guard, he was, he was attentive to detail. He was somebody who paid attention to little things. And I think he noticed that, hey, Joseph was not the guilty party here. And it's interesting, when you read verse 19, the Bible says that he, the end of the verse, he, that his wrath was kindled. But it does not say it was kindled against Joseph. An interesting thing. He very well could have been mad at his wife. He very well could have been mad at the whole circumstance. Man, I just lost my best man that is working in my house, and now i got to replace him. And it was difficult to find somebody that would be honest and cover that position and do a good job of it. All we know is that he was angry. We don't exactly know why. And so we see that Potiphar was very perceptive. And Joseph 
we see his perspective on all of this. Look at verse number 21. In chapter 39, verse 21. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. Verse 22. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hands all the prisoners that were in the prison, and whatsoever they did there, he was the doer of it. And the keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand, because the Lord was with him, and that which he did, the Lord made it to prosper. We see the consolation that God was with Joseph. When he was thrown in prison, hey, God said, I will not leave thee nor forsake thee. And Joseph suffered wrongly, and yet God was with him and was blessing him and comforting him. We find not only that, the commitment of the duties. And listen, that the, uh, the prisoner, the captain, or the, uh, the keeper of the prison, that was the word I was looking for, the keeper of the prison, gave him charge of all the, all the prisoners that was there. I think this is just my guess that probably Potiphar had a little something to do with that. He probably gave him a word and said, hey, look, this guys I know he's in prison, but I think this guy's a good guy. And that keeper of the prison elevated him and brought him to the top and said, hey, listen, you're in charge of delivering all the meals. You're in charge of making sure all the locks are locked and all the chains are chained up and make sure these guys are not loose and, and run around. Your, your responsibilities are basically to guard the prison. And Joseph was elevated. And I'm just saying that God blessed Joseph every time we find a difficulty uh, and, and struggles and problems in Joseph's life, that God is continually with him. And, and yes, it doesn't look like a life that you or I would like to live. But I tell you what, there was great blessings in Joseph's life going through all of this. And every single time that there was difficulty, every single time that God or that, that, that he was thrown down, if I could say it that way, and kicked and stomped and stepped on, God was with him and God was comforting him and God was blessing him and God was helping him and God was with him every step of the way. And we see in chapter 40 that two other prisoners were thrown in prison. And, uh, and God was moving things around. These were, these were men that worked with the king. They were thrown into prison. And it gave Joseph opportunity to rub shoulders with them and become uh, friends with them. And really to minister to them while they were there in prison. And we find that he did that. We'll talk more about that. Uh, but what a, uh, what a scandal that took place. What an incredible thing that happened in Joseph's life. And yet Joseph was faithful. Faithful to the Lord. What a blessing. What encouragement in the life of Joseph. We stand to our feet with our heads bowed and eyes closed. Father, we thank you for Joseph's life. God, there was certainly slander against him. There were certainly attacks against him. There were certainly many obstacles in his life's path. And yet, God, Joseph was faithful. God, thank you for the encouragement, the blessing, the help of watching somebody's life from 6,000 years ago go through struggles, go through trials, go through temptations, be slandered, and yet continue to do right. What an encouragement to us. And God, we see that you truly did bless Joseph many times in his life. You comforted him. You helped him. 
You put them in a place, God, that things were going to turn around and things were going to change. And God, I pray that you'd help us to be encouraged to do right at all times, to live right, no matter the cost. Father, we'll thank you for that. God, will give you the honor and glory for all that's said and done. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. As we have just a short hymn of invitation, if God's spoken to your heart, you can pray.